welcoming everyone to this prayer line. Maybe there's some new folks on the line, but this is the River of Life Christian Center Prayer and Bible Study, hosted by Pastors Thomas and Joanne Rich, and their church is located in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And if you go there, there are some wonderful folks who will receive you with love and just just share the love of Jesus Christ with you. And you will be blessed uh, with the word of the Lord that's coming out of that house. So we give God thanks and praise, amen, for that awesome man of God whom the Lord joined me with some years ago. And I've been with them ever since. So we give God thanks and praise for him and thank God for all who are on the line tonight. Amen. You will find us in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we're going to go there after we pray. Uh, I'm going to begin reading uh, from the uh, 48th verse all the way down to the end. Amen. So we give God thanks and praise. Father, we thank you and praise you for tonight's lesson, for tonight's gathering. We thank you, O oh God, for everyone that took time to uh, dial in, O oh God, even though they may be busy doing something else. Maybe they're preparing dinner. Maybe they are washing dishes or putting dishes in the dishwasher, or maybe they're outside, or maybe they're in the car. And, and I thank you, God, for wherever they may be, whatever they may be doing, that you would bless them in a special way, oh God, that their dialing in would not be in vain, that they will be blessed when they leave off this line. You know every need present on this line tonight. You know who needs what. You know who's going through. You know, oh God, what we're facing and what we're dealing with. And some of the stuff, oh God, that we're dealing with can be overwhelming. But we pray that tonight they will understand and, and realize that, that David, hallelujah, exemplified faith in God and trusted him in a situation that seems lost, hallelujah, but he placed his faith in God. And God, hallelujah, gave him victory, hallelujah, because God, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh God, was hallelujah, in covenant relationship with his people Israel. So we thank God for the, for the word tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit use me, and I pray, oh God, that he use me to share something that, that will bless the people of God tonight. And I thank him, because I can't do nothing without him. Hallelujah. And I need him. And I give him praise and I'm glowing for the in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, if you can, put your phones on mute so that we will not hear any background noise that may be coming from your uh, area. And when we finish, we will mention to take your phones off and mute so you can come back and give some comments. We've been sharing this word out of 1 Samuel uh, all month long, so there's a lot going on here. Amen. But but I want everybody to understand that this text has everybody's eyes fixed on David. King Saul's eyes was fixed on David. The Philistines 
were fixed on David. The Israelites that were hiding and dismayed and in fear was fixed on David. His brothers was fixed on David. The armies of Israel was fixed on David. It was fixed on David. This, this, this 48th verse is important because it, it, it speaks about David and David was a type of Christ. I shared that uh, uh, in some earlier lessons that he was a type of Christ. <clears throat> and tonight's lesson is about Jesus Christ, God's unique son. Amen. Hallelujah. Because David is pointing towards Jesus. And the Old Testament is full of types, shadows, and creeds. And it's like an arrow pointing towards the New Testament, pointing towards what's going, what's coming that's going to be better, full of prophecy that spoke about the coming Messiah, full of prophecy that spoke about Hallelujah, one, hallelujah, who will come through the lineage of David. Hallelujah, from the root of Jesse. Praise God, hallelujah. And so we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ, God's unique son. So I'm going to start from verse 48. It happened, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. Hallelujah. Beginning from verse 48. It happened when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. That David heard. I want y'all to see that. David heard. He didn't wait for the battle to come to him. He ran towards the battle. He heard. And he ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Talking about Goliath. David put his hand in his bag. Now, Goliath, all Goliath saw was that David had a staff. Hallelujah. Read back, you'll see that, that, that he he said, you come at me with, with a stick like I'm a dog. Uh, but, but, but he didn't see the sling. Hallelujah. David had the sling. All Goliath saw was the stick. Hallelujah. It, it was like, it was like, it was like, uh, what? You send this little boy with a stick and detain me like I'm a dog? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, so they, it says in verse 49, David put his hand in his bag, took a stone. Remember, he grabbed five smooth stones from the book. And he took one of those stones and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead. And a stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, Moving on, it says in verse 55, hallelujah, and it says that, wait a minute, hold on, yeah, and, it's forehead, and, and, it's, and, it, and it sunk into its forehead, and he fell on its face to the earth, and, and the stones sank into Goliath's forehead, and he fell down on the ground like his god Dagon. Hallelujah. I, I shared y'all back in, in 1 Samuel chapter 5 when they put uh, the ark of God into the same womb with Dagon. And 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 Dagon had, had that 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 Phil, the Dagon was the Philistines God. This is awesome. He was the Philistines God. I gotta share it again. Hallelujah. I know I shared it last week, but I gotta share it again. Because he was the Philistines God. And and 
when when the Philistines came in the next day, Dagon was on his face. He was on his face, and he put him back up, and and set him, you know, where they had him setting. And um, when he came back the next day, he was on his face again. But this time, his 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 his, his palms was cut off, and his head was cut off. Huh? Now we see in this text that. It, that 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 uh, Goliath falls face down on the ground like his God Dagon. Great damn morning, hallelujah! And 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 Goliath had justified the armies of the living God. I call him Elohim Chaim. And 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 the thing is, is that he he th th this is fitting because because. The Philistines served their god, uh, uh, Dagon, and that that Goliath was their champion. But but their champion was down on his face, just like Dagon was. Hmm? And so verse 50 says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. For there, listen, there was no sword in the hand of David, but David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it from his sheath. Talking about took a lion's sword, drew it from his sheath and killed him and cut off his head. Good gracious! And when the Philistine saw, him, remember I told you everybody's eyes was on David. And when the Philistine saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They reneged on the on, on, on the deal. The deal was if Goliath killed David, the Israelites would become the slaves of the Philistines. But if David killed Goliath, the Philistines would become slaves to Israel. Hmm? And but they but they they reneged, they fled. And it's verse 52 says the men of Israel and, and of Judah rose and shouted. And they pursued the Philistines until you come to gate, into the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of uh, of Shariam, even to Gath and to Ekron. The children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. But he put his armor in his tent. Hmm. Hmm. Mm hmm. And so, so verse 55, I'm going to go right to verse 55. When Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, remember all eyes was on David. The king saw his eyes was on him too. He said to Abner, the captain of the army, whose son is this youth? Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I can't tell Verse 56 says, the king said, inquire whose son the young man is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him, brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you? Young man, David answered, I'm the son of the servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. David was a type of Christ, y'all. Yes, he was. 
let's go to the New Testament. I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 22, 41 to 46, Mark 12, 35 to 37, and Luke 20, 41 to 44. And it says, while the Pharisees were still in his presence, Jesus asked, who do you think? He said, what do you think about Christ, the Messiah? Whose son is he? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, the, the Pharisees said, whose son is he? Great day in the morning. And the nice lesson is about Jesus Christ, God's unique son. Hallelujah. Saul asked that question. Whose son is this? Whose son is, 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 this, is this young man? Hmm? Jesus asked, hallelujah, the Pharisees, what do you think about Christ, the Messiah, or whose son is he? David's, they reply. Oh, Lord. They said David's. Jesus said, how then could David by spirit call him Lord, saying the Lord, in other words, Yahweh, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I place your enemies under your feet. After having quoted Psalms 110 through 1. Y'all can read Psalms 110 through 1. Jesus asked, If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one among those there could give him an answer. From that day time, no one among the unbelievers dared to ask Jesus any more questions. Wait, day in the morning. Being the son of God, Jesus was greater than David. Mm, 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 mm. I told you David was a type of Christ but Jesus was greater than David and would be the one who would raise David from the dead all creation came into existence through the son so even from the beginning David owed his life to him every one of us on this line owe our life to Jesus Christ Hallelujah. David owned his life to him. Not David, but Jesus is the appointed king in the realm where the Most High is sovereign. Great day in the morning. David, upon being raised from the dead, will therefore be among all who bend the knee to Jesus, acknowledging him as Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every knee on this line shall bow. Every knee in our family bloodline shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. He's God's unique son, praise God. Hallelujah. From the, from the beginning, in the beginning, good gracious, hallelujah. In 1 John, and no, in John 1, 1 through 5, it opens up with the two words of Genesis. They are the same, in the beginning. Remember in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. Good God Almighty. Y'all know, know your Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. This direct link of God speaking to the coming into existence of the creation appeared to be preserved in the designation of the word. Hallelujah. The son as the word suggests that God communicated through him and by means of him brought into existence the reality of his express will and purpose. In the beginning, the word was, praise God. Hallelujah. The word already was with the Father. Good God Almighty. The word was with God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Indicating a interrelationship. God. Theos. Hallelujah. As the image of the invisible God. First, I mean, Colossians 1 and 5. Being in the form of God in Philippians 2, 6. And this very imprint, Hebrews 1 and 3 says, the word is identified as Theos. Hmm? Theos. Theos. God. 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 The word and God proved to be in close mutual relationship. Everything came into existence through the word. Apart from him, not a single creation came to be. Praise God. Life was in the word. Hallelujah. The, listen, life was in the, <coughs> in the word. Hallelujah. The interest of the word brings light. Life was in the word. And life came to be in and through the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We exist because of the word. The word was made flesh. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good God Almighty. When we got saved, it was because we heard the word. Good God Almighty. The word, hallelujah, that had life in us. We were dead. I said dead. I said dead. Great damn on it in our trespasses and sin. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. We, 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 most of them on this land, we enjoyed our childhood. Hallelujah. We had fun. We had great time with our family and everything. We went on trips together. We did things together, played games together, went over each other's house, ate food together, praise God. But we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm, 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 mm. We were dead. We were apart from God. Hallelujah. But when when we received the word, the Bible says, as many as received them, to them he gave the right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh, God, he gave the right to become sons. We are sons. We are sons on this land. Daughters on this land. We have been birthed into God's family because of the word. Good God Almighty. God's unique son. There was no one like him. Hallelujah, good God Almighty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ooh, God. Life-giving power came through the word. He imparted life to creation. Hallelujah. Life was more than just existence. We were existing, y'all. Hallelujah, before we came to Christ. Hallelujah. 
but it was light. Hallelujah. Good God, when that light came in, that inner light, hallelujah, made it possible. Good God Almighty for us. Hallelujah. The word, hallelujah, hallelujah, became flesh and dwelt among us. Ooh, God. Hallelujah. We were in darkness. Hallelujah. But this light, hallelujah, hallelujah, came into our life. And it, and, it, and it cannot go out. There's a light in us that can't go out because the word, hallelujah, that came through God's unique son, great Dan morning, Jesus Christ. Y'all remember what Jesus said? Whom do men say that I am? Hallelujah. Some said John the Baptist. Some said Elisha. Oh God. He said, but whom do you, 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 I'm talking about you, 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 who do you say that he is? Talking about you on this line. Hallelujah. Who do you personally say that he is? He want to know personally, do you know? Hallelujah. Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, good for you, Peter. Hallelujah. That's the right answer. He said, but flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Good God Almighty. Ooh, Lord. So important to us because hallelujah, hallelujah. For ooh, I want y'all to get this. I want y'all to grab a hold of this. I want y'all to grab a hold of this. Hallelujah. Because the only way we know who Jesus is is that hallelujah, hallelujah, the Spirit has to be revealed unto us. Good God Almighty. Hallelujah. Peter didn't come up with that. He didn't know that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the Spirit has revealed to you who I am. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So don't go around patting yourself on the chest. Oh, I came up with the right answer. No, 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 no. Hallelujah, good God Almighty. It's through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, it's through the Word. It's through the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, that we know who Jesus is. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He reveals himself to us. Good God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only way we can know who he is that he reveals himself to us. Good God Almighty. Hallelujah. The more you get on this line, the more you get into your Bible, the more you get into prayer, the more you spend time in, in, in God's presence, he's going to reveal more of himself to us. Hallelujah. God is love. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that he loved me. I don't know why he decide to love me. Hallelujah. I don't know even why he care about me. Hallelujah. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he did. Hallelujah. God's unique son. Hallelujah. In these final days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to be revealed. Hallelujah. Ooh, boy. Hallelujah. How is it? That Saul, hallelujah, had David's hallelujah come into his house, hallelujah, and played music, hallelujah, that played the demons out of him, hallelujah, and he didn't recognize him on that battlefield, hallelujah, whose son is this, hallelujah, whose son is this, 
Hallelujah. Where did he come from? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't tell me that you didn't recognize that same guy who was playing demons out of you. Hallelujah. Ooh, boy. Hallelujah. Everybody's eyes was fixed on David. Hallelujah. 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 But he was a type of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, God. And the greater, oh, God, than David, God's unique son. Hallelujah. Ooh, boy. Hallelujah. He, hallelujah, brought life and light into the world. Hallelujah, glory to God. When he comes into our lives, the light comes on. Hallelujah. That's why people say you look different. Hallelujah. Oh, God. When he's in us, his, his light should radiate in us and through us that somebody will, will see, hallelujah, that there's something different from us, that 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 that, that <coughs> there's some some indications that we're we're not walking in darkness. There's some indication that we're 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 not like them. Maybe it's our conversation. Maybe it's the way we treat people. Maybe it's the things we say out of our mouth. Maybe, oh God, hallelujah, it's the way we carry ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's something about you that's different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it should be because that life, hallelujah, has not seen. Hallelujah. That's why he said, let your light shine before men. Hallelujah, because God's unique son, hallelujah, ooh, hallelujah, he came, hallelujah, to save, hallelujah, the lost, hallelujah, and he want us to be lights in this earth, hallelujah. Some people who knew you then don't know you now, hallelujah, they don't know you, hallelujah, in your redemptive stage. Hallelujah, oh God. They think you still the old you, but there's a new you. God wants to make us new, and the word makes us new. Hallelujah, ooh, Jesus. The more you get in the word, the more you'll be transformed to become like Jesus. And so I thank God for tonight's teaching. I thank God for where we are in this, in this, in, in, in this uh, lesson. Concluding out of 1 Samuel, whose son is this youth? Hallelujah, which which which, which speaks about the hallelujah, the uniqueness of the son of Jesus. Hallelujah. Whom do men say that I am? Ooh boy. I thank God for this lesson. I pray that you've been blessed through it. I pray that the word minister to you. Hallelujah. There was no one like Jesus. Nobody, nobody. Nobody greater than Jesus. I'm concluding tonight's lesson. Hallelujah. You can take your phones off of mute. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, I got some more. I got some more time. I was looking at the wrong time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Al Jesus. Y'all remember, hallelujah, when, hallelujah, he, he came to the woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who, 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 who? The Samaritan woman, hallelujah, who was drawing water from the well. Hallelujah, oh God. And and how he told that woman, he said, he said, the water I give you, he said, when you drink it, you will never thirst again.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. You will never thirst again. Hallelujah. We were thirsty, y'all. All of us on this land, we were thirsty. But when we drink from hot shaba, ooh, glory. Ooh, glory, glory, glory. Ooh. When we, when, hallelujah. When we, ooh, glory. When we drink from the water of the word of the Lord, good God Almighty, it fills the thirst in us, hallelujah, that we had for so long. Hallelujah. Because the greater one, Hallelujah. Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You remember what they said? Can any, any good thing come out of Nazareth? But look what came out of Nazareth. The Redeemer of mankind. Hallelujah. Ooh, God, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Who would take away our sin. Hallelujah. Oh, God, the sinless one. Hallelujah. Of Nazareth. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Born of a virgin. Hallelujah. Will take away our sin. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, he was my sacrifice. Hallelujah. He went to Calvary. Hallelujah. To redeem every one of us on this line tonight. We're talking about God's unique son. He was obedient unto death. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He was so unique. Hallelujah. He laid down his life. Yeah, they, he, nobody taking my life. I lay it down for my friends. Hallelujah. He gave up that ghost and he died. Hallelujah. He died after murmuring those seven words of love from the cross, from agony and from pain. Hallelujah. He died and he was burning. Hallelujah. Oh, God, a borrowed tomb. Hallelujah. But on the third day, he was so unique, he got up. Hallelujah. The grave couldn't keep him down. Hallelujah. He got up with all power in his hands. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, God's unique son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves us, oh, God, so much. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ Hallelujah, lives forevermore in our hearts, hallelujah, of his children. This concludes tonight's lesson. One of you this evening, we're so grateful that uh, on Monday evening, you have chosen to be a part of a prayer and Bible study ministry. Um, I thank God for Pastor Ellis, who has been a faithful and dedicated friend and uh, teacher uh, he will begin the teachings uh, for the month of October on next Monday night. And we're genuinely excited and enthusiastic to receive what thus saith the Lord through that man of God. God bless you, Pastor. God bless each and every one of you. Um, uh, my name is Pastor Thomas Rich of the River Life Christian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, this is our Monday night Bible study. Uh, we have been teaching from the thought, let's explore the Psalms. Um, it, it's my custom as I do Bible study 
I like to look at the text and go as deep into the text, as far into the text as we possibly can, because I've discovered across my years of studying the Word of God that it is very easy to read words on the page, apply our understanding of it based upon our life's experience. But if we don't know the background of the verse, of the words, uh, of the punctuation uh, of a particular verse, uh, many times we can get that verse, that text out of context. It'll sound good. We'll be certain that we're walking with the correctness that uh, God had in mind for us. But as you really begin to study the Word of God, you you, you begin to break it down and you learn who the writer is, who the writer was writing to, what was going on in the culture at that time, uh, what what was going on politically at that time, what was going on spiritually at that time. There's so much to, that goes into exegeting a text. And by exegeting a text, it means that you do just that. You, you look at all that was connected to every word, jot, and tittle that was included in the text. And that's really the only way that we can get a, a proper understanding of what God is attempting to say to us. So uh, we began this subject in July. Let's explore the Psalms. We started at Psalm 90. And believe it or not, uh, we taught the month of July and uh, Pastor Ellis taught August and we came back in September with this month and we're still on the first Psalm that we started with. We started with Psalm 90. Uh, it, it's the oldest Psalm and uh, it was written by someone that you don't typically consider to be a psalmist, but he had Psalms in that this psalm was included in the book of Psalms. He also had psalms over in the book of Numbers and a couple of other places he had psalms. But as we considered this particular psalm, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me was that most people live their lives with little awareness that life is short. But family, as we heard Pastor Ellis mention tonight about uh, a sister's daughter that has gone on. Uh, life is short, y'all. Uh, two weeks ago, yesterday, uh, the daughter of uh, friends of Pastor Joanne and I, 21 years old, uh, run down on the Baltimore-Washington Parkway and murdered. Uh, life is short. I don't know if you're hearing me, but uh, as I said, most people live with little awareness that life is short, but life is short. And as we've been reading uh, in the book of Psalm 90, we got down as far as verse 10, and we were getting ready to transition between 10 and 11. And we heard Moses uh, declare, teach us to, to number our days. And, and what he was really saying to us is that our days should be numbered, uh, young people especially, but I know plenty of folk that are, are not young by their birth years, but may be young spiritually and, and do not appreciate the significance of numbering their days. Young people don't do it. They often think their days have no number. 
and give little thought to what lies behind this life. Uh, that's why we're starting at Psalm 90, because as Moses wrote in this psalm, he was dealing with the brevity of life, the struggles and the tensions of life. And so I'm going to uh, start tonight. I'm going to drop back to verse 9 for a few moments and relate that to 10 and 11 and see how far forward we can go. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 9, it says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. And then it says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for the privilege of this Bible study tonight. God, I bless you for every person that have called time out from their busy schedules and, and tuned in with paper and pen in hand and in a spirit of prayer and mindset that says, I really want to know you better, Lord. And God, I thank you for them. I, I thank you for the privilege of the opportunity to share your word with them tonight. And as we go through this teaching, God, I ask you to speak through me, share revelation through me, that when we have completed this, this portion of scripture that we will be learning tonight, that none of us will leave the same as we came. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name, amen. So we read Psalm 90, verse 9. He says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. In other words, um, Moses is saying to us, all humans spend their lives under God's wrath. That's what uh, the A clause of verse 9 is talking about. He says, we all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our lives under God's wrath, meaning that humans are persistently sinful and always subject to the judgment of the Lord. Uh, I know that doesn't make some folk happy when I say that as human beings, we're persistently sinful, but we must be honest. Uh, Maybe you didn't commit some of the quote-unquote big sins. Maybe you didn't do some of the things that got some people behind bars. But some of our sins, that, like our thought patterns, our habits, some of the manner in which we communicate, some of the people who we hang around with uh, can create such an environment and atmosphere for us that we might as well be behind bars because we have the mindset of prisoners because we don't see the clarity and, and the, the purpose and the love of Almighty God. We don't recognize that God really had a design and purpose for our lives. And if we live accordingly, that we would be able to live victoriously over sin. But when Moses was writing this verse, he was reminding us that we all are human and are persistently sinful and always subject to the judgment of God. And I want to say to you that without a doubt, the generation that disobeyed God in the wilderness, that is the folk who Moses was leading at that time, were languishing under the wrath of God until every member of that generation died. 
wasn't that God did not give them opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity, but uh, they were walking by sight and not by faith. When they saw the promised land, when the 12 spies returned with that amazing report, they listened to the 10 that said, but there are giants in the land. And that caused them to wander aimlessly for 40 years. Then in their aimless wandering, they were upset that they didn't have food that they had when they were slaves. They uh, complained about not having water. They complained that they didn't know where they were going. They did not value or appreciate that God was always present trying to take them to the promised land. And I want to say to you and me tonight, that promised land for us might not be the same promised land that they had. Uh, in the, the illustration in the book of Numbers and that Moses is referencing here in the book of Psalms. But there is a promised land that God has made available to you and me. And it's over on the other side. It's that place where we get to go because we have received his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and late Savior of our life. That's the real promised land, y'all. That, that's the eternal home that is in glory, that was established for every man and woman who was willing to recognize and confess that, yes, I have been persistently sinful. I have been living under the same kind of wrath that, that Moses was talking about, but I have hope because of the blood of the Lamb, whose name is Jesus Christ. And because of that blood, I have the hope of not having to continue to live under that wrath. I can look unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, of my faith, of your faith, and know that that promised land, just it's awaiting us, and God is simply calling us to be faithful. And let me just mention this. Even the faithful still carried the burden of sin and wrongdoing. If I'm not telling the truth, somebody can speak up and say, you're telling a lie, preacher. But I'm telling you that for as uh, faithful as we try to be, every now and then our mindset moves in the wrong direction. Uh, we're drawn in the direction of things that we ought to be running away from. And, and so we still live. That wrath is there. But the good news is, so is the blood of the Lamb that will cover us and wash away the stain of our sin. I, I'm going to transition. I want to read three verses to you from 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read these verses out of the Amplified. Listen carefully as I begin at verse 8. It says, If we say we have no sin, and the Amplified uh, breaks that down, it says, Refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, when it says the truth is not in us, what he's really saying is the word of God is not alive in our hearts. And anybody besides me had to look yourself in the mirror and acknowledge that uh, with all of your mighty effort, it, without the help of the Lord, his word would not be active and alive in your heart. Verse 9, <clears throat> again from the Amplified, if we freely admit that we have sinned 
and confess our sins. He is faithful. I hope y'all heard that. He is faithful and just. That means that he is true to his own nature and promises. What is his nature and promises? It is that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all righteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and his purpose. I, I don't know if y'all caught that. Uh, in the New Testament, it talks about uh, if you pray and keep on praying, if you knock and keep on knocking, it, it, ask and keep on asking, seek uh, and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, that door will be opened unto you. In other words, persistently pursuing after the righteousness of God. Uh, and 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 also persistently confessing when we have fallen short and pursuing God's mercy, his justice, his just grace, even though we only do his justice, but he gives us mercy and grace as we consistently and persistently go after him. And so as we are talking about Moses, I believe 1 John 1 verses 8 through 10 applies because Moses was dealing with a sin-filled people, a folk whose mind and heart was just hardened to sin. And, and, and God is letting us know that we may have been in that position, but our hardened heart can be softened and tenderized by the love of Jesus Christ and by the blood that he shed for us on Calvary's cross. Let's read verse 10 from 1 John chapter 1. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, meaning refusing to admit our acts of sin, we make him out to be a liar by contradicting him and his word is not in us. Moses was on to something, y'all. I, I don't know that, uh, I, I find no evidence that Moses had any indication at all that John would have been writing this text. But when you think about what we've been reading in Psalm 90 and, and the pain and the struggle that was connected to Moses as he was writing this psalm, and then you, you hear how the people rebelled and rejected the love of God, the guidance of God, the plan of God for their lives, uh, for the the benefit of having a moment's pleasure, a moment's comfort. Uh, it was painful to Moses. He understood where they were headed. And it wasn't that they were just wandering in the wilderness, but it was why they were in the wilderness and why they were still not making it to the promised land. And, and my, my hope and my prayer as I share this lesson in Psalm 90, and take our time and do it, that you're seeing the connection between those folk and even us right now. We're living in a time when the world calls what is right wrong and calls what is wrong right. And if, if, if we're not careful and if we're very, very honest, even in the church, we let the world define for us things that God have called wrong and because we live in the world and too often are of the world, 
we accept that wrong as being right. And then we allow what God has said to be right. The world has defined it as wrong. And we have come into agreement with the world and allowed the wrong that the world professes to be right in our own lives. And God is saying to us through Brother Moses, he really cares. He really cares about our future. And Moses was praying for these folk, talking to God, singing this psalm, and, and, and doing all that he could to try to, to get out the pain that he was experiencing as he saw that the people were headed in a direction that they did not want to end up in. But family, the truth of the matter is that it wasn't just those folk back there with Moses, but it is all of us. We are in a time where we must be careful. Listen, as I continue to talk about Moses, the, 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 the theme that is coming out of this verse is stay faithful because our God is a merciful and a forgiving God. Just stay faithful. Yeah, you can look back over your shoulder and what you see is ugly and you uh, regret where you've been and you wish you didn't even have to remember some of the things that you've done, said, places you've been. But God is faithful and he does forgive. And he doesn't force us to make it up to him, even when we have heard him. Somebody ought to say hallelujah to that, because that's not how we live, but that's how God lives. We Somebody uh, get us wrong, somebody do us wrong, we want them to pay for it the rest of their lives. Thank God that our Heavenly Father is not like that. Uh, the question that, I, that came to my mind as I was reading through Psalm 90 and listening to the heart of Moses is how easily, Thomas, do you forgive when people sin against you? And guess what? That's not a question that I'm the only person that should ask that. You should be asking that question too. How easily do you forgive when someone has sinned against you? And I want you to remember this. God is not like us. He is much more faithful. And that's why he sent his son, because through his faithfulness, he knew that we needed a redeemer to, to buy us back from the penalty and the consequences of our sin. Let's move on to verse 10 in Psalm 90. Let's listen to Moses. I want you to hear his heart. The, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Man, that, that's a brother who was recognizing the pain and the sorrow and the labor and sorrow that is cut out for the human experience, not because God did not send his son, but because we often are persistent about the way we want to go about our lives and, and, and leave God on the shelf. And Moses was uh, talking about that. He used words that in a language ma manner that we are not accustomed to, 
But the point of those words is real clear. What was he saying? The days of our lives, y'all, are 70 years. Now, watch this. Moses himself lived 120 years. So you say, well, then why would he say the uh, days of our lives are 70? Well, uh, what he was speaking was poetically, not everybody managed to live 120 years. Uh, but as Moses considered the length of his life, what he also said is that his eye was not dim, nor was his natural force abated. What in the world would enable us to live a long life and our eye not dim and our natural force not be abated? First of all, uh, some writers question, was he talking about his natural eye and his natural strength? Or was he saying to us that it, the closer we get to God, the clearer we're able to see him? And many times in the human experience, we get closer to him as we get older. Because when we're young, we're running around, as I said in our opening tonight, foolishly, thinking that we have all the time in the world and also believing that we'll never have a day when our knees get weak and our hands fold down and our eyes get dim and, and, and that we find ourselves uh, becoming more in the uh, physical posture of a baby than that strength and uprightness that we once had physically. And even though when we were in our youth and we were physically able to stand upright, head straight up, and shoulders erect, and the body uh, erect, and we were able to carry it on and thought that we were all of that plus. But the reality is that as we live, those things change. But we still ought to be strengthening ourselves in the Lord. Our eye should not dim, and our natural force should not abate. Let me put it to you like this. Uh, my, my granddad, uh, uh, until the day that he passed, was every moment that I spent around him was a moment that I gained wisdom. That, uh, as I learned later in life, when my granddad was a young man, uh, he was one of those who sowed his wild oats all over the place. But uh, as he uh, got older, he settled down with my grandmother and they began to raise a family. But my granddad had children before he met my grandmother because he was a young man and he told me he wasn't thinking about his future or how life might be at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or when he got to his 70s. But as time went on, I, I pray that you and I are, are, will be like him and like Moses was talking about, that our eye does not dim because we see God clearer. We understand God better and we recognize that our hope is not in our physical strength. But even though our natural force might abate, uh, we are a force of nature because of the power of God that stands up inside of us because our eye is fixed on him and we're not living for the world as we once did 
because as we're aging, we're recognizing more and more without God, we could do nothing. Listen, uh, I, I said, he said that the years of our life, the days of our life are three score and 10. Moses was not speaking of 70 years as either a promise or as a limit. It was a poetic estimate of a lifespan. Right now, the majority of folk are living well into their 70s and 80s and beyond. And Lord knows, I want to live longer. I want to reach my 80s and maybe even more. <clears throat> I want to do it with physical strength. But even more importantly is that my relationship with God gets more and more uh, tighter and tighter with every day that passes, that, that I won't be growing older and with an emphasis in my life on the futility of life, but rather on the power that is available as I get older because of my connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if any of us should live past what Moses described at that time as the normal 70 or 80 years, and he said that the end of it is only labor and sorrow, and that might be physically for some, but not even everybody I know is that the physical description, but we ought to see it in the spirit, and we ought to while we might have the labor in the physical realm, and we might have sorrow in the physical realm. Last week, we spent time with a family that uh, uh, the grandfather was older than Pastor Joe and me. There's sorrow when he lost his granddaughter. Uh, there was labor to that family as they considered uh, how that child was killed out there on the highway. Uh, that, that was very difficult and very painful. But as we get older, uh, it doesn't mean we still won't have labor and sorrow, but we ought to be richer in our intimacy and relationship with God. I believe this is a part of what Moses was trying to help us see. 70 years is also the time that the ancient heathen writers would refer to during that time. They were fixed they fixed that as the span of man's lifetime during that period. But like I said, we will live longer. Doesn't mean that we won't have sorrow, but we can have the, the, the presence and the power of God that will encourage us. Uh, it, it's something when you see a person coming to the end of their life, no matter what their age is, and they are, are fearful, frustrated, uh, uh, angry, regretful, all because they never ever made the connection that Moses was talking about in this text. And I'm saying this tonight as we get ready to close. God's design and desire as he spoke to us through Brother Moses is that time is winding up. Don't judge your time by your present age because you might be 20 and gone. That young lady last two weeks ago when she was killed was 21. I heard of a young girl that was killed uh, in a hit and run accident just yesterday again. And I believe she was a teenager if I remember correctly. 
Don't count and judge this by the number of years that have passed on the calendar, but by the number uh, and the growth that you have as you grow closer and closer and closer in your desire to live close to the Lord. Because the Bible says through Moses, uh, this life is soon cut off and we fly away. And he was saying that uh, life is short, even if you live 80 years or 90 years. And often it is futile. But I want you to know, I want you to hear that he was saying that in this verse, that life can also be puzzling. Uh, in fact, many people tell you when we get to verse 10, they tell you that that was one of the most puzzling verses in, in the text. And they said because it was both contradictory and dark, while at the same time it was hopeful and somber, while at the same time it was merciless and also gentle, while at the same time it was a song of dying but also a song of the word of life. And it was a song that was marked by both fear and trust. When you read Psalm 90, I don't know what y'all get from it, but hopefully you've been, uh, as we've been teaching from this, you've been feeling what Moses was experiencing as he was writing this psalm. I'm going to close with, with verse 10. I didn't even get to 11 tonight. But just listen to this as you consider and contemplate and pray carefully and sincerely over what we have articulated tonight. This is what the writer of Psalm 90, Brother Moses, said. The days and years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Family, uh, that's not bad news to the one who is running to God. That's bad news to the criminal. Criminal, uh, the person who has rejected God, like these folk who were wandering in that wilderness that Moses was so disturbed about, but taking his concern to God, they were like criminals when you commit a crime, you're looking over your shoulder, hoping that you can avoid being found, hoping that the police is a long ways away. Well, that's the same as the stain of sin. It will cause us to hide from God instead of run to God. But I'm closing by telling you that Moses was wanted us to know what Jesus wanted us to know, what every gospel writer wanted us to know what uh, the writers through the Old Testament uh, wanted us to know. In, in the first five books called the Pentateuch, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the 12 historical books, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the books of uh, prophecy, the major prophets, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the minor prophets, we were supposed to get this lesson. And that lesson is that, yeah, there will be labor and sorrow, and your life will soon be cut off and we will fly away. But will you fly into the bosom of Abraham and Jesus? Or will you fly in the direction where eternity will be a place of eternal torture and pain? 
Listen, I'm not trying to preach or, or teach a word to bring fear tonight. I'm trying to share a word to bring life, hope, and eternal joy through the blood of the Lamb, whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm closing on verse 10. God in heaven only knows. I thought we would have advanced in chapter 90 much further than we have. But my prayer is that because we've been taking our time, it's been blessing your life. And if it's been blessing your life, if you just call time out tonight and have begun to consider who you are, whose you are, and why, then we're accomplishing our objective and God will get the glory. Right now, I simply want to close. Father, we thank you and bless you for your word. And Lord, I pray right now that this word is not fallen upon deaf ears or hardened hearts. And even if it did, God, for at this very moment, we ask you to turn all of our hearts into hearts of flesh and, and enlighten our minds that the eyes of our understanding might be open and the scales might be broken, that we might be able to see and receive the glorious light of the gospel of the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Family, you may take your phones off of mute. I know you got something to say tonight. Let's hear it. One of you this evening, we're so grateful that uh, on Monday evening, you have chosen to be a part of a prayer and Bible study ministry. Um, I thank God for Pastor Ellis, who has been a faithful and dedicated friend and uh, teacher. Uh, he will begin the teachings uh, for the month of October on next Monday night. And we're genuinely excited and enthusiastic to receive what thus saved the Lord through that man of God. God bless you, Pastor. God bless each and every one of you. Um, uh, my name is Pastor Thomas Rich of the River of Life Christian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, this is our Monday night Bible study. Uh, we have been teaching from the thought, let's explore the Psalms. Um, it is my custom as I do Bible study. I like to look at the text and go as deep into the text, as far into the text as we possibly can, because I've discovered across my years of studying the Word of God that it is very easy to read words on the page, apply our understanding of it based upon our life's experience, but if we don't know the background of the verse, of the words, uh, of the punctuation uh, of a particular verse, uh, many times we can get that verse, that text out of context. It'll sound good. We'll be certain that we're walking with the correctness that uh, God had in mind for us. But as you really begin to study the Word of God, you, you, you begin to break it down and you learn who the writer is, who the writer was writing to, what was going on in the culture at that time, uh, what, what was going on politically at that time, what was going on spiritually at that time. There's so much to, that goes into exegeting 
a text. And by exegeting a text, it means that you do just that. You, you look at all that was connected to every word, jot, and tittle that was included in the text. And that's really the only way that we can get a, a proper understanding of what God is attempting to say to us. So uh, we began this subject in July. Let's explore the Psalms. We started at Psalm 90. And believe it or not, where uh, we taught the month of July and uh, Pastor Ellis taught August and we came back in September with this month and we are still on the first Psalm that we started with. We started with Psalm 90. Uh, it, it's the oldest Psalm and uh, it was written by someone that you don't typically consider to be a psalmist, but he had Psalms in that this psalm was included in the book of Psalms. He also had psalms over in the book of Numbers and a couple of other places he had psalms. But as we considered this particular psalm, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me was that most people live their lives with little awareness that life is short. But family, as we heard Pastor Ellis mention tonight about uh, a sister's daughter that has gone on. Uh, life is short, y'all. Uh, two weeks ago, yesterday, uh, the daughter of uh, friends of Pastor Joanne and I, 21 years old, uh, run down on the Baltimore Washington Parkway and murdered. Uh, life is short. I don't know if you're hearing me, but uh, as I said, most people live with little awareness that life is short, but life is short. And as we've been reading uh, in the book of Psalm 90, we got down as far as verse 10, and we were getting ready to transition between 10 and 11. And we heard Moses uh, declare, teach us to, to number our days. And, and what he was really saying to us is that our days should be numbered, uh, young people especially, but I know plenty of folk that are, are not young by their birth years, but may be young spiritually and, and do not appreciate the significance of numbering their days. Young people don't do it. They often think their days have no number and give little thought to what lies behind this life. Uh, that's why we're starting at Psalm 90, because as Moses wrote in this psalm, he was dealing with the brevity of life, the struggles and the tensions of life. And so I'm going to uh, start tonight. I'm going to drop back to verse 9 for a few moments and relate that to 10 and 11 and see how far forward we can go. In Psalm chapter 90, Verse 9, it says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. And then it says, We spend our years as a tale that is told. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for the privilege of this Bible study tonight. God, I bless you for every person that have called time out from their busy schedules and, and tuned in with paper and pen in hand and in a spirit of prayer and mindset that says, I really want to know you better, Lord. 
And God, I thank you for them. I, I thank you for the privilege of the opportunity to share your word with them tonight. And as we go through this teaching, God, I ask you to speak through me, share revelation through me, that when we have completed this, this portion of scripture that we will be learning tonight, that none of us will leave the same as we came. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read Psalm 90, verse 9. He says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. In other words, um, Moses is saying to us, all humans spend their lives under God's wrath. That's what uh, the A clause of verse 9 is talking about. He says, "We all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our lives under God's wrath, meaning that humans are persistently sinful and always subject to the judgment of the Lord. Uh, I know that doesn't make some folk happy when I say that as human beings, we're persistently sinful, but we must be honest. Uh, maybe you didn't commit some of the quote unquote big sins. Maybe you didn't do some of the things that got some people behind bars, but some of our sins that like our thought patterns, our habits, some of the manner in which we communicate, some of the people who we hang around with uh, can create such an environment and atmosphere for us that we might as well be behind bars because we have the mindset of prisoners because we don't see the clarity and, and uh, the purpose and the love of Almighty God. We don't recognize that God really had a design and purpose for our lives. And if we live accordingly, that we would be able to live victoriously over sin. But when Moses was writing this verse, he was reminding us that we all are human and are persistently sinful and always subject to the judgment of God. And I want to say to you that without a doubt, the generation that disobeyed God in the wilderness, that is the folk who Moses was leading at that time, were languishing under the wrath of God until every member of that generation died. Wasn't that God did not give them opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity, but uh, they were walking by sight and not by faith. When they saw the promised land, when the 12 spies returned with that amazing report, they listened to the 10 that said, but there are giants in the land. And that caused them to wander aimlessly for 40 years. Then in their aimless wandering, they were upset that they didn't have food that they had when they were slaves. They uh, complained about not having water. They complained that they didn't know where they were going. They did not value or appreciate that God was always present trying to take them to the promised land. And I want to say to you and me tonight, that promised land for us might not be the same promised land that they had. Uh, in the, the illustration in the book of Numbers and that Moses is referencing here in the book of Psalms. But there is a promised land that God has made 
available to you and me. And it's over on the other side. It's that place where we get to go because we have received his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior of our life. That's the real promised land, y'all. That, that's the eternal home that is in glory that was established for every man and woman who was willing to recognize and confess that, yes, I have been persistently sinful. I have been living under the same kind of wrath that, that Moses was talking about, but I have hope because of the blood of the Lamb, whose name is Jesus Christ. And because of that blood, I have the hope of not having to continue to live under that wrath. I can look unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, of my faith, of your faith, and know that that promised land, just it's awaiting us, and God is simply calling us to be faithful. And let me just mention this. Even the faithful still carry the burden of sin and wrongdoing. If I'm not telling the truth, somebody can speak up and say, you're telling a lie, preacher. But I'm telling you that for as uh, faithful as we try to be, every now and then our mindset moves in the wrong direction. Uh, we're drawn in the direction of things that we ought to be running away from. And, and so we still live. That wrath is there. But the good news is, so is the blood of the Lamb that will cover us and wash away the stain of our sin. I'm going to transition. I want to read three verses to you from 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read these verses out of the Amplified. Listen carefully as I begin at verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, and the Amplified uh, breaks that down. It says, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, when it says the truth is not in us, what he's really saying is the word of God is not alive in our hearts. And anybody besides me had to look yourself in the mirror and acknowledge that uh, with all of your mighty effort, if without the help of the Lord, his word would not be active and alive in your heart. Verse 9, <clears throat> again from the Amplified, if we freely admit, that we have sinned and confess our sins. He is faithful. I hope y'all heard that. He is faithful and just. That means that he is true to his own nature and promises. What is his nature and promises? It is that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all righteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and his purpose. I, I don't know if y'all caught that uh, in the New Testament. It talks about uh, if you pray and keep on praying, if you knock and keep on knocking, it, it, ask and keep on asking, seek uh, and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, that door will be opened unto you. In other words, persistently pursuing after the righteousness of God uh, and, 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 and also persistently confessing when we have fallen short 
and pursuing God's mercy, his justice, his just grace, even though we're only do his justice, but he gives us mercy and grace as we consistently and persistently go after him. And so as we are talking about Moses, I believe 1 John 1 verses 8 through 10 applies because Moses was dealing with a sin-filled people, a folk whose mind and heart was just hardened to sin. And, and, and God is letting us know that we may have been in that position, but our hardened heart can be softened and tenderized by the love of Jesus Christ and by the blood that he shed for us on Calvary's cross. Let's read verse 10 from 1 John chapter 1. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, meaning refusing to admit our acts of sin, we make him out to be a liar by contradicting him and his word is not in us. Moses was on to something, y'all. I, I don't know that, uh, I, I find no evidence that Moses had any indication at all that John would have been writing this text. But when you think about what we've been reading in Psalm 90 and, and the pain and the struggle that was connected to Moses as he was writing this psalm. And then you, you hear how the people rebelled and rejected the love of God, the guidance of God, the plan of God for their lives, uh, for the, the benefit of having a moment's pleasure, a moment's comfort. Uh, it was painful to Moses. He understood where they were headed. And it wasn't that they were just wandering in the wilderness, but it was why they were in the wilderness and why they were still not making it to the promised land. And, and my, my hope and my prayer as I share this lesson in Psalm 90, and take our time and do it, that you're seeing the connection between those folk and even us right now. We're living in a time when the world calls what is right wrong and calls what is wrong right. And if, if, if we're not careful, and if we are very, very honest, even in the church, we let the world define for us things that God have called wrong. And because we live in the world and too often are of the world, we accept that wrong as being right. And then we allow what God has said to be right the world has defined it as wrong, and we have come into agreement with the world and allowed the wrong that the world professes to be right in our own lives. And God is saying to us through Brother Moses, he really cares. He really cares about our future. And Moses was praying for these folk, talking to God, singing this psalm, and, and, and doing all that he could to try to, to get out the pain that he was experiencing as he saw that the people were headed in a direction that they did not want to end up in. But family, the truth of the matter is that it wasn't just those folk back there with Moses, but it is all of us. We are in a time where we must be careful. Listen, as I continue to talk about Moses, Mo, the, 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 the theme that is coming out of this verse is stay faithful 
because our God is a merciful and a forgiving God. Just stay faithful. Yeah, you can look back over your shoulder and what you see is ugly and you uh, regret where you've been and you wish you didn't even have to remember some of the things that you've done, said, places you've been. But God is faithful and he does forgive and he doesn't force us to make it up to him even when we have heard him. Somebody ought to say hallelujah to that because that's not how we live. But that's how God lives. We Somebody uh, get us wrong. Somebody do us wrong. We want them to pay for it the rest of their lives. Thank God that our Heavenly Father is not like that. Uh, the question that, I, that came to my mind as I was reading through Psalm 90 and listening to the heart of Moses is, how easily, Thomas, do you forgive when people sin against you? And guess what? That's not a question that I'm the only person that should ask that. You should be asking that question too. How easily do you forgive when someone has sinned against you? And I want you to remember this. God is not like us. He is much more faithful. And that's why he sent his son, because through his faithfulness, he knew that we needed a redeemer to, to buy us back from the penalty and the consequences of our sin. Let's move on to verse 10 in Psalm 90. Let's listen to Moses. I want you to hear his heart. The, the days of our years are threescore years and 10. And if by reason of strength, they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Man, that, that's a brother who was recognizing the pain and the sorrow and the labor in sorrow that is cut out for the human experience, not because God did not send his son, but because we often are persistent about the way we want to go about our lives. And, and leave God on the shelf. And Moses was uh, talking about that. He used words that in a language ma manner that we are not accustomed to. But the point of those words is real clear. What was he saying? The days of our lives, y'all, are 70 years. Now, watch this. Moses himself lived 120 years. So you say, well, then why would he say the uh, days of our lives are 70. Well, uh, what he was speaking was poetically, not everybody managed to live 120 years. Uh, but as Moses considered the length of his life, what he also said is that his eye was not dim, nor was his natural force abated. What in the world? would enable us to live a long life and our eye not dim and our natural force not be abated. First of all, uh, some writers question, was he talking about his natural eye and his natural strength? Or was he saying to us that it, the closer we get to God, the clearer we're able to see him. And many times 
in the human experience, we get closer to him as we get older because when we're young, we're running around, as I said in our opening tonight, foolishly thinking that we have all the time in the world and also believing that we'll never have a day when our knees get weak and our hands fold down and our eyes get dim and, and, and that we find ourselves uh, becoming more in the uh, physical posture of a baby than that strength and uprightness that we once had physically. And even though when we were in our youth and we were physically able to stand upright, head straight up and shoulders erect and the body uh, erect, and we were able to carry it on and thought that we were all of that plus. But the reality is that as we live, those things change, but we still ought to be strengthening ourselves in the Lord. Our eye should not dim, and our natural force should not abate. Let me put it to you like this. Uh, my, my granddad, uh, uh, until the day that he passed, was every moment that I spent around him was a moment that I gained wisdom. That... Uh, as I learned later in life, when my granddad was a young man, uh, he was one of those who sowed his wild oats all over the place. But uh, as he uh, got older, he settled down with my grandmother and they began to raise a family. But my granddad had children before he met my grandmother because he was a young man and he told me he wasn't thinking about his future or how life might be at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or when he got to his 70s. But as Tom went on, I, I pray that you and I are, are, will be like him and like Moses was talking about, that our eye does not dim because we see God clearer. We understand God better. And we recognize that our hope is not in our physical strength. But even though our natural force might abate, uh, we are a force of nature because of the power of God that stands up inside of us. Because our eye is fixed on him and we're not living for the world as we once did. Because as we're aging, we're recognizing more and more Without God, we could do nothing. Listen, uh, I said, he said that the years of our life, the days of our life are three score and 10. Moses was not speaking of 70 years as either a promise or as a limit. It was a poetic estimate of a lifespan. Right now, the majority of folk are living well into their 70s and 80s and beyond. And Lord knows, I want to live longer. I want to reach my 80s and maybe even more. <clears throat> I want to do it with physical strength. But even more importantly is that my relationship with God gets more and more uh, tighter and tighter with every day that passes that that I won't be growing older and with an emphasis in my life on the futility of life, but rather on the power 
that is available as I get older because of my connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if any of us should live past what Moses described at that time as the normal 70 or 80 years, and he said that the end of it is only labor and sorrow, and that might be physically for some, but not even everybody I know is that the physical description, but we ought to see it in the spirit. And we ought to, while we might have the labor in the physical realm, and we might have sorrow in the physical realm. Last week, we spent time with a family that uh, the grandfather was older than Pastor Joe and me. There's sorrow when he lost his granddaughter. Uh, there was labor to that family as they considered uh, how that child was killed out there on the highway. Uh, that, that was very difficult and very painful. But as we get older, uh, it doesn't mean we still won't have labor and sorrow, but we ought to be richer in our intimacy and relationship with God. I believe this is a part of what Moses was trying to help us see. 70 years is also the time that the ancient heathen writers would refer to during that time. They were fixed, they fixed that as the span of man's lifetime during that period. But like I said, we will live longer. Doesn't mean that we won't have sorrow, but we can have the, the, the presence and the power of God that will encourage us. Uh, it, it's something when you see a person coming to the end of their life, what, no matter what their age is, and they are uh, fearful, frustrated, uh, uh, angry, regretful, all because they never ever made the connection that Moses was talking about in this text. And I'm saying this tonight as we get ready to close God's design and desire as he spoke to us through Brother Moses is that time is winding up. Don't judge your time by your present age because you might be 20 and gone. That young lady last two weeks ago when she was killed was 21. I heard of a young girl that was killed uh, in a hit and run accident just yesterday again. And I believe she was a teenager, if I remember correctly. Don't count and judge this by the number of years that have passed on the calendar, but by the number uh, and the growth that you have as you grow closer and closer and closer in your desire to live close to the Lord. Because the Bible says through Moses, uh, this life is soon cut off and we fly away. And he was saying that uh, life is short, even if you live 80 years or 90 years. And often it is futile. But I want you to know, I want you to hear that he was saying that in this verse, that life can also be puzzling. Uh, in fact, many people tell you when we get to verse 10, they tell you that that was one of the most puzzling verses in, in the text. And they said because it was both contradictory and dark, while at the same time it was hopeful and somber, while at the same time it was merciless and also gentle, 
while at the same time it was a song of dying, but also a song of, of the word of life. And it was a song that was marked by both fear and trust. When you read Psalm 90, I don't know what y'all get from it, but hopefully you've been, uh, as we've been teaching from this, you've been feeling what Moses was experiencing as he was writing this psalm. I'm going to close with, with verse 10. I didn't even get to 11 tonight, but just listen to this as you consider and contemplate and pray carefully and sincerely over what we have articulated tonight. This is what the writer of Psalm 90, Brother Moses said, the days and years are three score years and 10. And if by reason of strength, they be four score years, yet is their strength, labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Family, uh, that's not bad news to the one who is running to God. That's bad news to the criminal. Criminal, uh, the person who has rejected God, like these folk who were wandering in that wilderness that Moses was so disturbed about, but taking his concern to God. They were like criminals. When you commit a crime, you're looking over your shoulder, hoping that you can avoid being found, hoping that the police is a long ways away. Well, that's the same as the stain of sin. It will cause us to hide from God instead of run to God. But I'm closing by telling you that Moses was wanted us to know what Jesus wanted us to know, what every gospel writer wanted us to know, what uh, the writers through the Old Testament uh, wanted us to know. In, in the first five books called the Pentateuch, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the 12 historical books, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the books of uh, prophecy, the major prophets, we were supposed to get this lesson. In the minor prophets, we were supposed to get this lesson. And that lesson is that, yeah, there will be labor and sorrow, and your life will soon be cut off, and we will fly away. But will you fly into the bosom of Abraham and Jesus? Or will you fly in the direction where eternity will be a place of eternal torture and pain? Listen, I'm not trying to preach or, or teach a word to bring fear tonight. I'm trying to share a word to bring life, hope, and eternal joy through the blood of the Lamb, whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm closing on verse 10. God in heaven only knows. I thought we would have advanced in chapter 90 much further than we have. But my prayer is that because we've been taking our time, it's been blessing your life. And if it's been blessing your life, if you just call time out tonight and have begun to consider who you are, whose you are, and why, then we're accomplishing our objective and God will get the glory. Right now, I simply want to close. Father, we thank you and bless you for your word. And Lord, I pray right now that this word is not falling upon deaf ears or hardened hearts. And even if it did, God, for at this very moment, we ask you to turn all of our hearts 
in the hearts of flesh and, and enlighten our minds that the eyes of our understanding might be open and the scales might be broken that we might be able to see and receive the glorious light of the gospel of the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Family, you may take your phones off of mute. I know you got something to say tonight. Let's hear it. <laughs> 